Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Yeah, celebrating dads. You, you thought we'd do something funny, but we wanted to give you something really special today. And, and that's what we're going to be doing. I, I do want to just again emphasize Summer Kids Club as, as a gift to children and to families. And I, and I hope you will be inviting. It's really an incredible opportunity for our kids. And we see so many lives transformed through Summer Kids Club each year. So I hope that you will uh, be, be inviting. Well, this morning we're going to do kind of like what the ladies did on Mother's Day. We've got a couple of our dads, our gateway dads, and uh, they're going to be sharing some things and uh, just some conversation here with you about fatherhood and about dads and about men. So I'm excited to welcome this morning Tracy Minish and Roland Salinas. And I'm going to just let each of them just say a word about themselves, introduce themselves, so that you kind of know a little bit about them. Tracy, tell us about yourself. Okay, I am uh, Sherry Minish's husband. Uh, <laughs> I do exist. <laughs> um, and a lot of times when I'm in the church or even anywhere I'm at, people come up to me and say, Hey, where's Sherry? Or, Hey, how's Sherry doing? And I want to say sometimes, I'm a person. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so I am Sherry Minish's husband. I'm proud of that for 39 years of marriage. So any, any woman that can stay with a man for 39 years deserves a round of applause. Um, I have um, three sons, uh, Benjamin Tyler, Daniel Minish, Carson Andrew William Minish, and Alexander Harrison Chase Minish. Um, so we are very proud of those um, three sons. Um, I was going to tell you a little bit. I guess you probably noticed if you hadn't that um, I am legally blind. I got an eye disease from my grandmother. She had retinitis pigmentosa, uh, and she passed it on to me. And what it does is slowly eats your rods and cones. So I have, in this eye, I really cannot see at all. But this eye, I can see like you're looking through a cone. So I can see about 5% of what you see. So if you come up to shake my hand, I will not see it. So you have to kind of put it up here. Or just tell me, hey, let me shake your hand. So um, the Bible verse I kind of leaned on that's really helped me with this, Randy, is um, um, 2 Corinthians uh, 12, starting with verse 7. And it goes like, and you probably heard it a lot because it's Paul uh, writing. It says, I was given a thorn in my side, a messenger from Satan to torment me. On three different occasions, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, no, Tracy. He said, my power works best in your weakness. So now I am proud to boast of my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Um, when I am weak, then I am strong. And, and I feel that in a way, God, Satan puts something in me. God uses it for his purposes. So people can say, you know, why aren't you going around to press? Or people come up. I had somebody come up and they said, you know, when you, re when you sing um, Amazing Grace, do you, does it bother you when they say, now I can see? And, and, you know, my answer is, I sing it this way. I am blind, but I see because of Jesus Christ. So, Amen. 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 Well, I'm Roland Salinas. Uh, I'm the junior high coordinator here at Gateway Community Church. I got my Camp Eagle Cup here, so that was awesome. I didn't get a, I didn't get a chance to go to camp, and here's the reason why. So I'm a father of a six-year-old at Sarah Sarah Salinas, which she's right over there. You want to raise your hand, honey? There she is. There you go. And then right next to her is Samuel. He's four. And then we have a one-month-old, and she's in the stroller. 
So, so see, here's how, what I think is funny is the guys are like, oh, and then the ladies are like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah, so two hours of sleep is fantastic. I'm just kidding. No, I sleep more than that, way more than that. Thank you, honey. That's my wife, Elsa. She told me not to embarrass her, but I'm going to call her out anyways. There you go. There she is. Elsa Salinas, everybody. She puts up with me all the time. So, um, But a little bit about me has been uh, really cool being here at Gateway Community Church, being on staff, uh, working with uh, 5th and 6th grade, which are preaching youth, and then 7th and 8th grade. And just uh, over the years, seeing how, how they've grown and, and worked their way through the church, and now how some of them serve in student ministry. But the other cool part is, is being a young father and then seeing my kids come up through the ministry and go through the children's area. Now they're in kids' town and get to see how our younger students or how some of y'all get to pour into them. And so that's really an amazing piece of just the whole body of Christ. Amen. So tell me, um, what's been your greatest joy being a dad? I think the biggest thing has been watching them, watching Sarah and Samuel and now Sabrina just, you know, grow up and just how... How as they're growing up and as they learn and they grow and develop, how they're just, just different, they're different people, different personalities, and they're sponges for everything. And I think that's the amazing part, too, is like any of y'all that have multiple children, you know, you've got one that's one certain way, and then you've got one that's the total opposite. And sometimes they, they clash and they don't get along, but then there's other moments where they're like, oh, they all get along and everything's fine. And then oh, they do? Yeah, they, they do, do at some point. <laughs> at yeah. some point? Okay. At some point, yeah. Sometimes we have to intervene, and okay. then we have to, you know, split them, and then they get back together, and then everything's fine. So, um, but no, that's been the greatest part. I think the cool part is watching how God has worked through them with little things of whether it's a Bible story or it's, hey, I heard this or I watched this VeggieTales video or whatever it may be. And just as they're growing up and developing, even watching them, like, I think one of the cool things is just as they serve. And I know it's kind of weird thinking how, how does a six-year-old and a four-year-old serve? Well, like, well, with Samuel right now, with Sabrina, the coolest part has been like, if we ask him, hey, can you get this stinky diaper and go put it in the trash? And he's like, no problem, you know, and he goes and does it. And then it's like, hey, can you go clean the game room? Sure. And then he'll go up and he'll go do it. And Sarah, I know you help him too sometimes. So um, she does a good job of managing and pointing out things, and then he will move them. So that's, that's the other part of fatherhood that's a real joy to watch and experience. Amen. We call it leadership. Leadership. That's what there she calls go. it. Starting early. Yeah. Tracy, what's been your greatest joy about fatherhood? Well, you know, at first I thought I was going to be the young father, but I, I've heard I'm not. I was wondering. So, so I've been able to watch my um, three sons grow up to be men of God. And that has been just a blessing for my wife and I to, to be able to see that. And there's a Bible verse that um, has uh, Matthew 19:14, And it says, and Jesus said, let the children come to him. Do not hinder them um, for the kingdom of heaven is for such as these. And, and I think that's what, um, as a father, we have to do. And hindering them can be more than just trying to stop them. It can be not encouraging them. So I'll give you three quick stories that I think I just cherish. Um, my youngest son, Chase, doesn't wear shoes a lot of time. He likes to go barefooted, and he's 27 now, so he should have outgrown it. <laughs> but um, when he was about four years old, we were going into what was then called a stop-and-go, not a Varero. And as we went through the doorway, this is at 5 o'clock over on El Camino, very busy time. He stomps his toe and he immediately drops to his knees. And he says, Dad, pray with me. I hurt my toe. So I knelt down and we're blocking the doorway and we're praying to God, you know, and people are trying to go in and out. And we, we made it kind of short. 
but, but, but we prayed for healing for his foot, and then he wanted to add in a few things for his brothers, and, um, and, and we did that. But what it taught me, you learn from your children, is that when it's time to pray, pray then. Don't hold it back. Tell, oh, I need to pray about that. I'll get home and do it anywhere, anytime, anyplace. So I learned that from my youngest. Uh, my middle one, uh, Sherry and I homeschooled, because I went out and I said, I went, I went to the school and said, can you turn somebody out like me? And they said, no. So uh, we decided to homeschool. So um, we were teaching, and we were talking about some of the great leaders of the um, country early. George Washington, Abe Lincoln, Benjamin Franklin. So I thought, as a teacher, I'd say, hey, boys, tell me, if you could go back into time, which leader would you want to meet? And Carson immediately said, Jesus. And when he said that, just... It just, you know, it froze me for a second. It's like, I wasn't even thinking that direction, but he was. And if you know Carson now, he's working in the church here as a minister. So he was destined from an early age. But, but I, it actually took me from being a teacher to being a student, and my kid became the teacher. Yeah. Um, my third one is my son, Tyler. He's my oldest. And some of y'all may have heard or, or not heard, but he was doing scuba diving off the coast of Africa. Uh, why he would go so far away to do this, but he had over 80 dives, and he, um, when he came up, he found out he had a small defect in his heart, and so nitrogen, instead of going out his lungs, had gone through into his bloodstream. So one hit the back of his brain, which paralyzed him on the right side. Another one went between his... Um, Thought I could do this, but anyway, so gather myself, but um, one went between his uh, shoulder blade. So, um, of course, you know, we're praying like crazy. The church family's praying with us, everyone. And so, Tyler, first, you go into the decompression chamber. He got use of his right arm first. So when I taught the Tyler, you know, I'm trying to be a strength. You know, your father, you're, you're trying to, to give him strength. And Tyler told me, he said, you know what, Dad? I'm going to be okay. He said, now that I have use of both my arms, I can, I can work. I can live a good life. I can live in a wheelchair, and, and I will be happy. So I went there and just amazed by his faith and his strength, and it actually gave me strength. So um, that is what you learn from your children, how to go through these things um, when you get these kind of crises. Roland, how has your relationship with Christ entered into you being a dad? Um, I think the biggest thing with our relationship, with just with all of us dads, or even if you're single or, or, or college student or even just a teenager, I think that the foundational piece with our faith when it comes to our relationship with Christ is Christ. I mean, I think, you know, there's the differences, like for me growing up, uh, growing up, you know, in, a, in another denomination and just kind of how... How that was more work-based, like I need to do these things in order to end up in God's good graces versus understanding that we've been saved by grace through faith. And understanding that as a dad is huge because like for me, um, I have a few verses that uh, I'm going to go through. Um, I'm not good at memorizing like you are, buddy, so I have to use this. But I don't have glasses yet, so don't worry. I'm getting there. So that was a joke, Randy. I love you. Thank okay, you. Thank you. All right. All right, so John uh, 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so for me, my thing is, is going back to you and remembering that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We can try the best we can. And I know from talking to dads that, that, are, that have kids that are adults or even talking to them, they're like, hey, we're, you know, none of us are perfect. We're not going to get it right. 
but Christ is perfect and so is God. And so, and so with that right relationship, the fruit that we bear, that we can't bear on our own, comes, uh, is in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so for me as a father, my thing is, is as a follower of Christ and then as a dad is just understanding that I can't, like, I can love my wife as much as, I, as much as I possibly can, but God loves her so much more. And, and him working in and through me, through the Holy Spirit, that's the only way it's going to take place and that's the only way it's going to happen. And so even as a father in having patience with our children, that's another thing. Because there have been times where I have a conversation with the kids and they want to revolt. And then we have to get them in line to prevent the revolt from happening or, or happening, or they want to divide and conquer. And so in most cases, people are like, okay, I can navigate it or I can kind of squash it. But whenever it comes to our faith, it's living out that I still love them. And I know we all love our kids, but there's a difference between being patient and having the conversation afterwards of just, hey, why do we love one another? What does that look like? Is that just an act or is that just kind of, is that something we're required to do? Is that something that God commands us to do? And then even from that, going into being kind and, and, and uh, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, those things are things that God is continuing to work in and through us as we, as we grow in our faith. But then as we move forward, our kids are learning from our example and, and, and learning from us. And so, so as dads, if, if we're not grounded in Christ, then our kids are going to learn not to be grounded in Christ. And if we are grounded in Christ, then our kids will see that in, in and through us in the way we act, in the way we talk, the way we behave. Because it's easy on a Sunday morning to just kind of walk in the doors and kind of like, okay, I'm done, and then walk out, and then we kind of live our lives. But our kids are, are watching that and modeling that, and we're modeling that for them, and they're replicating that also. And so I think that's a huge, uh, huge thing. They can really tell when we're blowing smoke. Oh, yeah. And when it's the real thing. I got a six-year-old over here. She can call me out like nobody's business. I mean, she's like, I don't know. That's not what you said the other day. You know, and it's just like... Okay, honey, well, let's go ahead and let's talk about that. And, but the cool thing is, is there's accountability with that. You know, whether our kids are teenagers or they're adults already, or whether they're four years old, as soon as they can talk. I mean, you know, we all know if you have, how many of y'all have kids in the room? Or you're not in the room, but you have kids or you have adult kids. Okay, so they're sinners just like us. I mean, really, I mean, let's just be honest, okay? So, so that's the cool thing about us being Christ followers and being grounded in our faith. And so one of the other verses I have is, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And then Corinthians 15, uh, 1 through 4 says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By, by this gospel you, uh, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So in verse 3, it says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So that's the gospel message. And the cool thing is, is if we, if we have a grasp of that and understand that as followers of Christ, our kids will too, because we'll have the conversation with our kids from there. And so as they navigate and as they grow up as and kind of move forward in their faith or move forward in their lives, they'll be grounded in that. Knowing who Christ is, knowing their Heavenly Father knows them, and knowing that they've been saved through, through faith, and that everything we do as, as followers of Christ outside of that is, is fruits of the Spirit that God is working in and through us. 
that's 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 really kind of the gist of it there. But and, and that is, I mean, I think that is so important because sometimes we think I can come to church and I can put on a good yeah. show. Yeah. But the rest of the week, you know, I, I may cuss my kids out or I may talk about hurting someone or, or not liking someone. Right. And we think that the, they are going to get the message on Sunday morning. Right. But, but that's one hour on Sunday morning versus all those other hours. And that's yeah. the message they really, really hear is the way we live our lives. Not just what we say, right. but what we do. Well, I think the other thing, too, is like with me working with, you know, working with students for, for it's crazy to even think about it, like 11 years here at Gateway. So working with students over the years, having conversations with kids, and they're kind of like, well, well, this is what home life is like, and this is what it's like on Sunday mornings, or, or kind of navigating through, well, my mom's a believer, my dad's still trying to figure it out, or, or you know, in split home situations, one home is grounded in faith, and the other home is just kind of like a free-for-all. And, and over the years, it's really been interesting to see how kids are, are grabbing that information and watching it and observing, and it's not even just their parents either, it's grandparents. Um, adults that are serving with them in other areas. Um, I think the other thing too has been coaches, teachers um, over the years. And it's, it's really fascinating because as we move forward in our faith and as we're grounded in our faith, it's, it's cool to see who is observing and sometimes over time who you don't realize is observing us as, as followers of Christ. Uh, I've always heard the saying, faith is caught yeah. even more than it's taught. It's what we, what we live in. Tracy, how has your relationship with Christ entered into you being a dad? So uh, my thing kind of flows in with Roland's in a lot of ways. Um, Sharing sure I, we had Tyler first. We'd been married for um, nine years. It took us you know, we, nine years. We thought it would take that long instead of nine months. So had Tyler. Um, only 16 months later, Carson popped out. And when he uh, was born, it's probably more complicated for women than that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, just, he was there. And, uh, and so when he was uh, first born, he had a 90% chance of dying. Um, he was in really bad shape. He was um, lifeline down to UTMB. Um, we were down there at the hospital, and he was in intensive care for over a month. So on about day three, um, you had to scrub up before you go in intensive care. You know, you have to keep things, wear a mask and all. So I'd come out of the intensive care, and the preacher from the church we were going to um, came and met me. And when he was there, he said, how is Carson doing? Well, Carson gone from a 90% chance of dying to an 80% chance of dying. So we were super happy. But, but all I told him, I said, Carson is doing so much better. He said, great, let's pray. So we prayed really quickly. And when he finished, he said, do you know where the heart patients are? I've got to go see somebody else. I said, well, my wife and my son are here. Can, can we go pray together in here? And he said, well, I'm on a really tight schedule since Carson's doing better. I didn't have time to explain. It's 80% chance of, you know, when it's 80% chance of rain, it rains. So um, he took off. And at first, I was really frustrated. And then I started doing one of those step of vows. I said, you know what? I step into church at 11 o'clock with my right foot, my left foot, because it's Texas. I step out with my left foot at high noon, and I'm out of the church. And I said, I was not investing. So Sherry and I, you know, when you have these crises, you can pull apart or pull together. It made Sherry and I faith grow deeper. We saw God working in all kind of ways. So we decided to go to a church that had guitars and drums. We wanted a church that the preaching was relevant. And we started going to a church that was meeting in a low school. They had to get your chairs, fold them up when you sat there. Then it grew into abundant life over on Space Center. And then it came here to Gateway. And we've loved this church ever since. The church is supported. But Randy cannot do it all. I had to do my part. Sherry had to do her part. 
Um, we got involved in um, kids club. I've been a leader several years. I changed dirty diapers here. Um, I've um, gone to church camps along with the youth that we've gone. Uh, we're in a small group. I've been a greeter. Um, and, and, it, and I'm not bragging. What I'm saying is you've got to be involved. If I'm not involved, the church ain't going to be there for you. You've got to build a relationship. And of course, we've built our relationship uh, with Christ much, uh, much stronger because of that. So um, I learned two Bible verses um, that, that kind of helped me with that. And the first one is, Consider it all joy, my friend, when facing various trials and tribulations, because the testing of your faith builds endurance. So if you go back, Carson came first, 90% chance of dying, intensive care for, for all that time. Tyler comes afterwards. We had a church. We, we had people on Facebook praying for us. We had people across the United States, across the country praying for, for um, Tyler. Well, Carson, we were a little bit on our own. Of course, we had Christ on our side, so don't need much more, but it helps help other people. Um, there's two Bible verses. Um, the, the first one I said, you know, the building, it, um, your faith it builds endurance. There were some parallels that were just kind of uncanny. When Carson was sick, 90% chance of dying, they wanted to do um, surgery on him. And there was three places called that had an ECMO machine. One was on the East Coast, one was in California, and one was in Galveston, Texas. And so God put that there for us. He was transferred there for lifeline. Um, Tyler was in Africa. He could not move his right side. He could not um, stand or walk. And they had three places where they had the decompression chambers. One in Cairo, which was to the north, which is a long ways from, from um, Africa. One was in South Africa, and one was on the island he was on. So those parallels, you could see God testing us one way, using it second. When Carson was going to be a lifeline, they told Sherry and I, the hospital bill is experimental. $100,000 just for the surgery. Everything else after that, you know, it's not covered. So Sherry and I, you know, signed the paper. We didn't care. You know, you do what you do. When we were in Africa, they came to us. He's got to be taken at sea level. So $1.2 million to transfer him from Africa over to New Orleans where they could treat him. And on Sherry's birthday, they came through the insurance and covered that for us. So, so i just tell you those parallels. So the second verse has to do, and I'll do it quick, because um, it is says, since we're surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses, um, let us set aside every burden and every sin, and let us run with endurance the race which is set before us with our eyes focused on Jesus. So Sherry and I, we've been looking down. If Tyler had been looking down, if our family and friends had been looking down, we would have said, this is impossible. But because we're looking up and looking to Jesus, Tyler walks today. Amen. Yeah. That is so good. Well, Tracy, what's, what's one thing you'd like to share with men, with dads this morning about your faith journey as a father? Um, you know, um, when I started off, I tried to do everything on my, my own. You know, it was just... You know, because we're men, we want we want control, complete control. So you know, I'd look for books, but then I was failing as a father. You know, sometimes I would get on to him and I didn't. I wanted him to do what I wanted to do, not what they had been built by God to do. And so I was looking for books. You know, they have some like How to Be a Good Father, Fatherhood for Dummies. I thought that would be the perfect one. <laughs> uh, but the, but really, the ultimate book is the Bible. You really, that is the ultimate. There is no other user's guide. 
And if you look in the Bible, it says, treat others the way you want to be treated. That is my first commandment, my first prophecy. It has a whole chapter on love. You know, love is patient, love is kind. You know, that patience part is really hard for us as fathers. You know, love is not rude. It's not self-seeking, wanting what we want for our children, not what they need. And, of course, the hard one is forgive and forget. You know, that one is in there. The other things it has in there, it says, do not judge, so you will be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured against you. That one scared me a little bit, so I decided to lighten up a little bit as a father. Um, it tells you how to do work. You want to teach your kids how to be productive. And it says in their work as you're working for the Lord. And then my all-time favorite is, honor thy father. I really like that one. <laughs> and I think it says something about Tracy's wife in there, but, uh, but, but it says honor your father. So, so the things I've learned is, first one is, I've got to be involved in the church, just like Roland was saying, Randy, I have to be involved in the church. It's not about my children. Um, you know, when you take them to sports and baseball, you're cheering on the sidelines. In Christianity, you can't be a cheerleader. You've got to be a participant. I, I thought this when the oxygen mask comes down in the airplane. They say, put it on yourself and inhale, then put it on your children. And I just thought that is a great analogy. Inhale the Holy Spirit yes. and the kids will follow. Um, second thing we try to do is make sure our kids are involved in the church. You know, if you don't have them in kids' clubs, they can still sign up, right? Yes. I think they can come on Tuesday, Wednesday. They can show up for the party. Yes. So, so get your kids into those things. And I would say, um, Mike Lively, Roland, um, we have a great um, uh, thing for kids. Our kids, a lot of times, I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to go to church. And the kids won't let us stay home. So when they were little. So get your kids into doing that and participate with them. My third thing was to um, pray together. For the thing that's worked for us, we pray together at all our meals. So even though our kids aren't there, they are great prayers because they we rotate it. And so different ones, and you find out what's going in their lives, and they find out what's going in our lives. So I just say something that's worked for us is praying. And then the last one is getting to a small group, something outside of your 11 to 12 or your 930 to 1030 for you guys. And that has worked really well because it keeps me accountable. Amen. Roland, what about you? Um, I think the main thing that I have is is really biblical community. Um, if you've never been part of a life group, I know one of the cool things we've been part of is like the baby dedication this morning uh, for Anthony. You know, was grabbing Robert's headset. Was uh, Robert and Karen's first life group. We were a part of that. And then from there, at, at one point, uh, we all we all drank the well, our wives drank the water at their house, and so so right now out of that group, three of us, three of the families, we all have daughters in kindergarten, and like uh, Adele, uh, the Gumps, Adele and Sarah are in a class, and Ella's in a class, and they go to the same school, which is really cool. And then the other part about it is is they also get to see each other like in PE and just different stuff like that. And from there. You know, it's branched out to where getting to know to other families, uh, getting to know other families in the church. But I think for, for dads individually, um, it's good to have biblical community with just other guys. And what the reason I say that is I've been meeting with a group of guys. We've been meeting for, I think we were ta- saying about over three years. And uh, we've, been, we've been meeting consistently. We meet on Monday mornings. We meet at 6 a.m. And that's one of the things that we realize is, hey, it's gonna put, we're going to have to put in work in order to meet. But the cool part is has been... Watching how that group of guys has grown and we go through, you know, verses of scripture and talk about life and how, you know, the kids. But here's where we're at now in that group and the the diversity in the group is two guys are empty nesters. 
One of them is Mike Lively. So he's got two kids that are adults, and then he's got a, a Carrie who's in high school, and then Nathan who's in who's in junior high. He's finishing eighth grade now. He's about to go in high school. And then you got me, which I'm starting. You know, it was six four and newborn. And then we have uh, Rob, and you know, he's married, didn't have any kids. But the cool thing has been over the time that we've been able to meet together has been. I can ask them questions and they can say, man, whatever you do, don't do this. Or whatever you do, don't tell your wife this. Or don't buy her this for Mother's Day, I'm telling you. You know, and, there, and so that's been the cool part. And then there's, other been, there's been other parts where I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what's y'all, what was y'all's bedtime routine with the kids? Oh, well, we did this and this and this. Oh, well, we're going to go try it. Okay, that didn't work very well because our kids are different, right? But then we could uh, sit there and talk about it and kind of go through stuff. But... The biggest thing, I think, for me when it comes to biblical community and just being together, and I'm, now I'm talking about just as families, has been, who do you call when something happens in your life? Just think about that for a minute. Who do you call when something happens in your life? Whether it's like for our situation, we had a baby, and we have you know friends and family from the church come visit. Or it's you don't have family within, within the state of Texas, and you're from somewhere else, and you got moved here and transferred here. Do you have biblical community where, you know, if something happens, you break a leg or something, you can't cook a dinner or a meal, and you can call somebody and say, hey, you know, here's what happened. Could, could y'all, you know, put a meal together for us? Because I know throughout the body of Christ here at Gateway, no one is going to say no. And if they do, you can email Randy, okay? So you can do that, all right? <laughs> Don't call me. Call him. Okay. Look. But, but that's my biggest thing is the biblical community part. Because when things happen or when life happens or if, like, if a teenager makes a poor decision at some point, who are you going to call and who are you going to go to? And who's really going to understand from a faith perspective? Because for a lot of times, you know, I learned this whenever I was younger and when Elsa and I first got married, was asking the people that didn't know Jesus questions. They're like, man, you should do this. And I'm like, that's the dumbest, worst advice I've ever had in my life. I'm not going to go do that. And you talk to somebody that's a believer and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, I should pray about that first. That's a good idea. Thank you for reminding me about that. Or going on from there or something else. But biblical community, if you're not plugged in anywhere or you're anything like that, Summer Kids Club is a good way to get plugged in. If you haven't joined a life group or haven't even considered it, or even within the sections that you sit in, getting to know the people within the sections that you sit in here at church. Because there's accountability with that. Because imagine if you get to know the people that you sit with and then somebody disappears for like two weeks. And then it's kind of like, okay, where did they go? Is everything okay? Can we check up on them? And it's just, it's, it's, it's just a great, great way of just knowing because there have been times where I've learned with students and even with families where they, somebody was just didn't show up to church and we find out, hey, the kid was in the hospital or, or mom or dad had a heart attack or something like that. And if we wouldn't have known or paid attention, then we would have never noticed. They wouldn't have been able to just walk in the door and then just disappeared and we would have never known what would happen. So if y'all haven't thought about that yet, that's the reason why I think biblical community is huge with your faith journey. Because then if you need somebody to pray for you, somebody's there. And if you have questions and you're like, man, I don't know, like, don't come ask me how to raise a teenager. I don't know what it's like to raise a teenager. I know what it's like to be a youth leader. But I could ask Tracy here or I could ask Randy. It's just a different perspective. That's really cool. It's all part of the body of Christ. Thank you. So quickly, any closing thought? Um, Okay, so I I wrote this one down and I got this from somebody that said I can use it. Okay. So if you are in here and you are a non-believer and you're just kind of like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing or whatever. Okay, so this is his challenge that he challenges his congregation with. He says, in the United States, following Jesus will make you better at life or make your life better and make you better at life. Just think about that for a second. 
in the United States, following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. So even if you're like, I don't know what I believe or where I stand on something, get involved anyways, because you'll get to see what the body of Christ is really like by being around the body of Christ. So that is my encouragement for you guys. Amen. Tracy, closing thought. Uh, my closing thoughts are, I love the Sermon on the Mount because it's God teaching us directly. And um, so, so I'll, I'll kind of close with this and I'll paraphrase it so I'm kind of taking it in and twisting a little bit, but any father who hears these words that have been said by Randy here at the church or in the Bible and does not act on them, they be compared, or who acts on them rather, any father who acts on these uh, words may be compared to a wise father who builds his house on the, his family on the rock and the rain falls, the floods come, the wind blows, but his family does not fall because it is built on the rock. But any father who hears these words and does not act on them may be compared to a foolish father who built his house on Stuart Beach and the floods come, <laughs> the waves hit, the wind blows, and your house will fall. So, so the main thing that Sherry and I try to do, and I believe we've been successful with God's help, with him at our side, leading in front of us, got our back, is that we've given a foundation. So the winds come, they've, they've blown off course, they have a place to go back to. They have a foundation, a place they can find shelter. And it's not with us, it's with Jesus because we won't always be here and we can only do so much. He does the other. So when God's on your side, who can be against you? Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you guys very, very much. Let's thank God. These men. Just a quick reminder that uh, the cars are still out there. Please take pictures and enjoy. Remember, Summer Kids Club starts tomorrow. And we really want you to, yes, share that good news. Because that's how we change the world. And that's how we can be that witness to those around us. Our prayer team is going to be down here in front if you want to come and pray. I'm going to be out in the lobby with some friends and would love to say hi to you, especially if you're a guest. And uh, let's just, let's close real quickly with prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much that whether we have been pretty good fathers, good fathers, not so good fathers, whether we had a great dad or maybe never even met our dad, we know we have you as our Heavenly Father who loves us in all of our ways, who, who, who loves us no matter what, and who, who shares with us and points us in the way to live. We may not have had the role models we wanted in our lives. But in following Jesus, we can find the role model we need. Help us, Father, to be the kind of men, the kind of fathers, the kind of mothers, the kind of women, the kind of children who honor you in our lives every day. That it's not just an act or an occasional thing, but it is who we are becoming through the power of your Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.